following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Welcome to episode 46 of Teen Girls Investigate Crime Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. And today we will be covering a very bizarre case, which was actually solved in an even more bizarre way. Today we will be talking about the murder of Teresita Bassa. That was a solid intro. That was a solid Did intro. Did you hear that? And can we just talk about her name? Like, Teresita Bassa. It has great, um... Flow. Yeah, there's a, there's a fancy word for that, but it's like, um... Phonetic balance or something. Phonetic symbolism? No, it's just got good phonetic balance. Yeah. That was a solid introduction. Did you hear my voice? That like... I did. It was very smooth. That was very good. Very proud of myself there. (laughs) I ruined it by saying that I was proud of myself, but whatever. Let's let's get right into the case, guys. Um, Okay, some background on Teresita Basa. She was born in 1929 in the Philippines, and she was an only child. She was raised in a fairly prominent family, so she had a pretty good upbringing in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. She attended Assumption College, which is a very interesting name for a college. That is a very interesting name for Um, a college. Yeah, I don't know what I would assume about it, but... (laughs) (laughs) It took me a second. (laughs) so funny like that. Um, It's located in Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. Like Manila Wafer? Yeah, or Manila Folder. Um, Teresita moved to the United States in the 1960s to study music, and she went to Indiana University to earn her master's degree in music. While she was super passionate about music, after a little bit of time, she decided to actually kind of pivot her career into the field of medicine, mm-hmm. which is definitely an interesting switch. It is a very interesting switch. To go switch. from music to medicine, but she did. Uh, so she then began pursuing a career as a rest in respiratory therapy. Um, So in 1977, which was the year of her murder, she was living in Chicago and working at the Edgewater Hospital as a respiratory therapist. She was super happy with her life. She was actually starting to head back into music a little bit, Mm -hmm. and she was attending Loyola University to work on her doctoral thesis in music. I get emails from there. Oh, my God. So do I. (laughs) There's actually, like, 15 Loyola universities. There's, like, Loyola, Los Angeles, Loyola... I can't even say There's one in New Orleans, too, I think. Loyola, New Orleans. Yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, she was going there to get her doctoral thesis in music, and she was also a part-time piano teacher. Yes, queen. still pursuing music in her spare time. And so she was just super busy, but... Everyone that she knew said she was just very happy with her life and the way mm-hmm. things were going for her. Okay, so a little bit... I love how every single time we record, we're like, she was just so happy, she had such a great life, and this is how she died. Yeah. I think that's kind of a running theme with all true crime. Yeah, it's just, that's how true crime is. Even shows, it's like... That's just how it is. Like, they were bright, they were the sunshine in everyone's life, and then they were murdered. <laughs> And then they died. It shouldn't be this funny, but that's sh- how they This all is go. what happens every single it's time. It's like formulaic. Okay. And then for guys, it's always like, he was a gentle giant. <laughs> like, that's literally, I think, in every single case we've ever done involving a dude. Yeah. Or it was drugs. Or drugs, yeah. No, you know what sucks? True crime kind of just, like, always has such a theme. When something happens to guys, it's like the majority of the time it has to do with drugs, and then mm-hmm. when it has to do with a girl, it's like the majority of the time it was some asshole creepy guy. Yeah, like sexually motivated. Yeah, whether she knew him or not. Mm-hmm. And then when it's children, it's the parents the most of the time. 
or theorize to I would be parents. I would be a terrible cop because I think I would just pick one of the themes and I'd be like no I would never be able to think out of the box or I would think <laughs> way too far out of the box yeah like you blame a ghost or some shit we're gonna talk about that later in the episode all right sneak peek timeline time so on February 21st of 1977 at 7:30 p.m. It had been a pretty regular day for Teresita, and she had worked at the hospital during the day and then come home in the evening just like normal. She spoke on the phone with her friend Ruth for about 20 minutes, just like debriefing the day kind of thing. And after about 20 minutes, Teresita said that she had to end the call because she was expecting a quote-unquote male visitor. She didn't really specify any further while she was on the phone. Ruth didn't really press for anything. Um, I got the impression that Teresita was kind of casually dating some people, didn't really have anyone serious, so I guess for her to have, like, a male visitor over, not a big deal, so Ruth just figured, you know, she'll get the tea later. Yeah, exactly. She'll pick up on it later. Yeah, well, why harass her now? (laughs) Um, at 8.40 p.m., some neighbors in Teresita's building smelled smoke and called the building janitor to help determine the source. Why the building janitor? Okay, I knew, I knew you were going to say something. I, like, predicted this in my head. I knew you were going to say something. So, he was, like, not just the, it was, like, the su- the building super. Like, a okay. super is, like, basically in charge of all the functions of the building. Okay. And they, like, are in the building all the time. Like, the owner of the building doesn't live there. But, like, a building super janitor kind of person is like, there. Like, there. that's, like, their job to service whatever. Got yeah. it. So, basically that kind of guy. But what I read said the building janitor, so I figured I'd use the term. <laughs> But, like, also, I'm pretty sure it was, like, the super kind of thing. So they called him up to help determine the source. Um, The janitor then called the fire department and helped evacuate the building. Smart. Yeah. (laughs) Firefighters determined the smoke and fire was coming from Teresita's apartment. Uh, They extinguished the fire pretty quickly, which, so, you know, it was just, like, they weren't really expecting much. It was just a quick house or apartment fire. Mm -hmm. No one was injured from what they could tell. But then they uncovered Teresita's body. She was found under a mattress, completely naked, and had a knife stabbed directly into her chest. Oh my god. Like, right in the center. Oh my god. Yeah. So Like, imagine walking in on that. I know. Especially when you're a firefighter, and, like, that's not, like, what you plan on seeing when you're a firefighter. No. Like, at all. Yeah. So, of course, then they call the cops. Because, you know, what else <laughs> that are you so going to do? <laughs> then they call the cops. Well, what else are they going to do? They're going to call the cops. No, they call the other janitor in the building. <laughs> Can you come clean up this mess for us? Um, it's a little bit messy up here. So, no evidence could be recovered from the scene because of the fire. The killer had actually covered her in clothes and then put the mattress on top of her and then set all of the material on fire. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, really harsh. Uh, her autopsy showed, showed no signs of sexual assault, which was really unexpected to the, te- to the detectives just because she was naked. Yeah. So, for her not to have been sexually assaulted was very unexpected for them, I think. Especially with having the knife stabbed right into her chest. It yeah. It so, like, personal and probably sexually motivated. Exactly. But in this case, it wasn't. Um, and then also, her death wasn't, like, a rage killing. Like, it wasn't... It seems pretty angry to I me. I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> angry, but it wasn't, like, super messy and, like... There I wasn't mean, any, like, dismemberment going on. No. I mean, I guess, but they still stabbed her in the chest and then set the place on fire. True. I mean, I guess it's just, you know, we've seen some stuff recently where people are being full on cut apart, so I guess this is a little different. (laughs) Um, The lead detectives 
looked into the possibility of robbery, but the police just couldn't identify anything that was missing. But I think that just might be the one of the stupidest sentences ever. They yeah. couldn't find anything that was missing. Like, how would you know it was there in the first place? Yeah, the thing is, she lived alone, right? Yeah. So, like, any of her, like, little belongings... Like, trinkets that, would probably be expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, stuff outside of, like, furniture and technology, no one's gonna know. Exactly. Like, it's just no one's gonna stick out to them, like, what her sunglasses or her purse or her jewelry was, you know what I exactly. mean? Like, any of that could just, you know, have been taken. No one would have noticed. Yeah. Um, even if someone lived with her, I feel like it'd be hard to identify. I couldn't tell you every single piece of, like... Expensive things in your house. Yeah, not even expensive things, like, cheap things. Like, yeah. Who knows? And, like, then there's stuff, like, that could look expensive, but, but it's actually cheap. And so, like, you wouldn't even... Notice wouldn't even it. phase you. Um, it was super weird, though, that they couldn't fi- identify anything that was missing, because the apartment was just, like, ransacked. Like, yeah. super messy, things were all over the place, and... They even said it looked like a struggle had occurred and that Teresita had probably fought back against her killer. Ugh. No physical evidence at all was recovered in the apartment. Like, nothing. At all. Um, this is also, like, the late 70s. I feel like... Yeah, so technology wasn't great and also, like, the place had been set on fire. So there was just no, yeah. no chance for evidence. Um, one thing they were able to recover from Teresita's belongings was a note to herself reminding her to get tickets... Get theater tickets for A.S. Ooh. But no one really knows why the police were, like, determined to figure out who A.S. was. I think, literally, they had nothing, and so they just took this and, like, ran with it. Yeah, exactly. But, like, how ominous is it? That, like, doesn't even sound ominous to me. No, it just sounds like... It's like a note to Not wanting to write out the whole name on a little note. Like, I keep writing, register for the SAT. Yeah. But I have not standardized American testing. (laughs) I don't even know. That's not even how... But, like, still, like, people write little notes to themselves, like... Yeah, like, I literally did that today. Yeah, exactly. Like, people do it all the time. Yeah, actually, Izzy hopped up right in the middle of class today and just, like, <laughs> grabbed a post-it note and started writing. Like, from, like, the teacher's, like, area Desk. of, like, materials. <laughs> she just hopped right up and, like, started writing a note to herself. You know, you do what you gotta do. Anyway. This is, okay. So, carrying on. Um, this, I guess this case is a little bit set up differently than we usually do. Yeah, because, okay, so what happened was... You know, they have, like, initial investigation stuff like I just talked through. Mm-hmm. But then the case kind of went cold. They, like, talked to people, but there was no physical evidence to, like, even count for anything. But then, suddenly, the case was solved. Yeah. So it's just very, very quick. So it's important to get into the little details about how the case was solved, specifically. Because it's weird as fuck. It's very weird. Very <laughs> convoluted. And I will try to lead you through this as easily as possible. What does convoluted can... mean? Convoluted, like... Uh, I couldn't even tell you what that means. You, I, you say it sometimes, I don't know what it means. I do say it a lot, and I literally turned in poetry the other day that was about convoluted. <laughs> Is oh it, God. like, messy? Or, like, I think, mixed? Complex? Don't mind me literally looking this up. How do you use a word and not know what it means? Make an argument complex and difficult to follow. Oh. Mark an argument or story. Gotcha. So, yeah, this so, is convoluted. Okay. Or I'm trying not to make it convoluted. convoluted. Anyways... So how the case was solved. So homicide homicide, <laughs> homicide detectives then spent the next few weeks interviewing those close to Teresita. They learned that she was a very quiet woman and that she was really dedicated to her job and her patients all spoke very highly of her. And through these few interviews, they actually learned that she casually dated, like Jillian mentioned earlier, but she was never married and she had no known enemies. And a lot of the people who were actually interviewed were 
quite shocked to hear that she was murdered just because she was such a kind woman. Do people really have known enemies? <laughs> no. Like, like, I... Okay, there's only enemies that I have that I, like, talk to my very close friend about, and it's not even enemies. When you say very close friend, I mean you mean me? Yes, I mean you. <laughs> <laughs> my very um, close friend that's yeah. sitting next to me right now. When I say I have enemies, I don't really have enemies. It's just no. people I dislike, and to justify that irrational dislike of people, I call them my enemies. But, like, they're not actually your enemies. No, like... like if someone murdered me, you wouldn't go down the list of people I've, like, <laughs> been ticked off by. And, and be yes, like, we have a list. <laughs> Dude, we have a shit list. It's terrible. We, we wrote have a one. list. It's old. It's, it's color-coded. But it needs, it needs to be updated. It does but yeah, need to be it's, updated. It's color-coded. It's got, like, categories. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's very, it's pretty. It's got yeah. nice markers on it. <laughs> Okay, so due to a few months without leads or any more information in general, the case quickly went cold, and this actually changed in July of 1977 with when Detective Statula. <laughs> that sounds like a like kitchen utensil. Statula. <laughs> yes. Wait, is it, wait, Statula. 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 I don't know. Um, so he actually came into work and he saw that he had a note on his desk. So the note asked him to call the Evanston Police Department about the Bossa murder. So he immediately called, and the other department told him that they had actually received a call from someone who claimed to have information about the case. Okay, weird. Yeah. <laughs> so this call actually told the detectives to get in contact with a Dr. Jose Chua. Chu? Chua? I think it's Chu. Okay. I think Chu I don't... might be spelled differently, though. Yeah, Chua? Chua. Okay. Anyway, I'll just call sure him Jose, actually. Okay, I'm just pretty sure Chu spelled differently. That's why yeah. I was in my only background. Dr. Jose, who actually lived on the outskirts of Chicago. And Detective Statula and his partner arranged an interview with the doctor. And to their utter surprise, he provided them with the information they needed to finally solve the case. So when they first arrived at the doctor's house, he was super nervous and embarrassed to tell the detectives what he knew. After a few minutes of, like, super surface-level conversations, he asked the detectives if they believed in the occult or the supernatural. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. The occult. I never the heard occult. that term until, like, two days ago when I watched Jennifer's Body. I love the term the occult. I think it's just Okay, honestly, spicy. ever since watching Jennifer's Body, everything in my life has revolved around something. Like, every day there's been a little detail that's been, like, somehow related to that movie. It's kind of creeping me out. Yeah, that's kind of, that is creepy. Like, recently just cast as a demon cheerleader who is a succubus. Yeah. Just a little, little too close to <laughs> literally the movie I watched two days ago. Yeah. So, anyways, the detectives attempted to be as impartial as possible, but it was, like, clear that they thought that... Dr. Jose was full of shit, basically. <laughs> Mainly because stuff like this happens, like, super often when cases are being solved and they get calls from psychics and things like, like, those from the occult constantly with false leads. Oh, yeah, psychics call all the time and they're like, yeah. I know who killed They're like, so I'm so. sensing someone in a bag under dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, anyways, Dr. Jose continued his story, telling them that his wife, Remibios, commonly known as Remy, had been possessed by Ter Teresita. <laughs> <laughs> no, just wait. She had started to have dreams which involved Teresita. She had been ignoring them until she was having a dream and then went into a trance-like state where she was talking to her husband in, quote, in a voice that wasn't her own. Oh, During this event, she was in a, a comatose state and that she and she 
And Can you speak? <laughs> I can't. And she was saying that ta- she was Teresita and that she needed help in this otherworldly voice. So further, he claimed that Remy started to say that she was murdered by a man named Alan Showery. And remember, buy tickets for A.S. Uh-huh. Keep that in your mind. And that she needed to, him to tell the police that. So basically, this is Teresita talking through Remy, telling Dr. Jose <laughs> this story, okay? I feel like this is hearsay. Yeah, it is hearsay. I don't know how they use this in a court of law, like, at all. <laughs> Anyways, they, the voice said that Alan had gone to her apartment to fix the television, but instead he killed her. So this was, like, the first time that this happened, and the doctor decided not to call the police because he was unsure what he had just witnessed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? But then, <laughs> the following week, it happened again. What the fuck? So the voice the second time was angered that the doctor had not told the police. He claimed that he had not told the police because, as a doctor, he was scientifically minded and he needed legitimate proof. He was telling this to his wife, who was comatose, talking in an otherworldly ex. Ironically, both were doctors. Yeah. So, the voice told him that Showery had taken jewelry from her apartment, and the pieces were actually unique and from France, and a gift from her father to her mother. And she claimed that Shari had given the pieces to his girlfriend, and the voice even provided names and phone numbers of people who could identify the jewelry. What? Yeah. So, after the second and much more detailed encounter, Dr. Jose finally called the police. So, immediately after the interview with detectives, they ran and did a background check on Alan Shari to get more information. So, in this background check, they learned that Shari lived near Teresita and actually worked at the same hospital as her, just in a different department. Weird. And then, the police interviewed some of those who knew Alan, and they just... Alan Shari, and they discovered that he had, in fact, mentioned that he would be fixing Teresita's television the night that she was murdered. Oh. Yeah. How would that never come up before? Exactly. Um, so the detectives then decided that it was time to visit Alan and see what he had been doing the night of the murder. So when they got to Alan's apartment, he was home along with his girlfriend. And after introducing themselves and adding in a bit of small talk, they asked if he would be willing to come down to the station and answer a few questions they had about the murder of Teresita Bassa. He agreed and went with them. And during his interview, he initially denied that he ever went over to Teresita's apartment. But they then confronted him with the information that his co-workers had overheard him, like, talking about going to Teresita's house to fix her TV. And he immediately changed his story. Like, immediately. Interesting. Very sus. So he basically claimed that he had, in fact, gone to her apartment. But upon arrival, he realized that he didn't have a tool he needed to fix her television. (laughs) Okay. So he said that he told Teresita that he would come back another time and then left. But if this was the case, why would you lie about it in the first place? Yeah. Like, why would that, why is that necessary? I mean, I mean, unless you're, like, crossing your days or something, like, it was, like, some sort of misremembering thing, I don't know. It was, like, a while before. Yeah. Like, this is months later. Yeah. So, slowly the detective started to believe that they had the right dude, and they even went back to his apartment and spoke to his girlfriend who literally said that Alan would have no idea how to solve electrical problems. So how the fuck would he fix a TV? Yeah, that's, that's like... Red flag, red flag. Yeah, seriously. Like, if his girlfriend's saying, like, 
How would he even know how to fix a TV? Like, yeah. that's not even, like, that wouldn't even be her lying. Like, that, like, you know what I mean? Like, she didn't need yeah. to say that. At all. Like, she's just like, answering their questions. Like, she wouldn't even questions. need to cover for her boyfriend. She could just, like, not say anything. Like, yeah. stupid like that. And they also asked her if she'd received any jewelry lately from Alan, and she said that she had gotten some in February, because Alan had claimed that they were belated Christmas gifts. This guy's a red flag as a boyfriend, too. Yeah, literally. And apparently she was literally wearing a bunch of it at that moment, like a bunch of the pieces. Awkward. And they then asked her to go down to the police station with them, and the police then called the people who had been identified by the ghostly encounter... And when they came down to the station, they claimed that the jewelry was, in fact, Teresita's. Oh, my God. Which is just insane. Yeah. So, literally, like, directly after being confronted with the information that they had against them, Alan confessed to the murder. So, basically, he said that he was going to rob Teresita because he needed money for rent. But instead, as soon as she turned around, he brutally attacked her. Oh, my God. Like, for for no reason. So, following this attack, he then took her clothes off to make it seem like a sexual assault, and then proceeded to stab her once in the chest. Why would you want to make it seem like it was a sexual assault? I have what no idea. What reasoning for that? Because that's not, like, wouldn't that be a whole other charge, too? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I have no idea why that was the first thing he thought about doing. And then he set the fire, and after rummaging through her apartment, he only ended up finding $30 in cash. Wow. Which was not nearly enough for rent, so he just grabbed some random jewelry that he found. Jesus. Yeah, this is like, what was this guy doing? Amateur. Literally, like, what? So, Alan was then arrested and charged, and the case went to trial on January 21st of 1979, a few years later. But a month later, it ended in a hung jury. So, while, while waiting in jail for a retrial, he decided to plead guilty and he was actually given 14 years for murder, four years for robbery, and four years for arson. That's a pretty nice sentence for what he committed. Uh, just wait. However, when he went back to jail, he only served five years before he was released and put on parole. So this guy could still be out there right now. I think he is. Yeah. And then, let me just add, before we get to our final thoughts, that it turns out that Remy actually worked with Teresita? Yeah, she worked with Alan, too. Yeah, so she was also a respiratory therapist at the same hospital at one point in time. And she only met Teresita once at orientation, but she often worked with Alan, and many claimed that she was actually scared of him. Alan got her fired. Yeah. There was, like, a wacky story that that basically was, like, she was kind of an unprofessional worker sometimes. I forget mm-hmm. if it was just she wouldn't show up to shifts or something. Something just was, like, unprofessional. Yeah. So Alan, you know, reported her for her unprofessional behavior, and she actually ended up losing her job over it. Oh, my gosh. So she kind of had an issue with Alan. Yeah. So which brings me kind of to our final thoughts on this case. <laughs> because, again, we, like, didn't know how to structure it because it's kind of, like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. So we're just going to, like, summarize what we think, kind of. Yeah. So, love the idea that she solved her own murder. Cool as fuck, you know? Yeah. If I was murdered, I would love to come back as a ghost and let everyone know what and happened And be like, it was Alan! Yeah, you know, it's pretty cool. Love the yeah. story. I think it's great. I think it's super sketchy. Like, super, super sketchy. I agree. Something that, like, I think gets brushed over a lot is that Remy did not like Alan because she essentially, like, blamed him for getting fired. Yeah. And... 
I just feel like this could have been fake to get back at him. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I could see this story. I mean, like, it's kind of wacky. It's kind of a risk. Like, would the police even believe that? Sure enough, they did. But, like, at the same time, they did find those specific pieces of jewelry that were identified by these people that they were told to call. Mm -hmm. And Alan, like, also confessed in, like, this typical style of a killer where it's, like, you bring yourself closer and closer to a situation. Yeah. And he pled guilty. So, like, you know, he pled guilty. Yeah. I just think it's weird in the first place that the police even took this tip seriously. I think that's really where I'm at. Like, I think that's just... And it's just something that... I don't even know. I just... I just... It seems very strange that they would even take it seriously. I feel like people say random shit like this all of the time. Yeah. Like, why this one? Like, I would get this and, like, oh, like, the 1800s. Like, I would get this. (laughs) But not in the 70s. Yeah, I feel like people... Like, these are the kind of police tips that they get all the time that they have to just, like, disregard because they're stupid. Like, why this one? Yeah, why this one? And it was so specific, too. And it's just... It's a little... It's a little off-putting. Yeah. Okay, so... You guys know that I'm always down for a supernatural (laughs) twist in a case, but I really just don't buy this one, and there are a few reasons why. So first off, possession is not something that typically happens between a person and someone who has passed on. In most cases of possession, it's between a human and a demonic entity, or another more powerful and malicious being. Oh my god, how do you know Not another person. How do you know that? I... I, How do you know that? (laughs) I do a lot of research in my spare time. (laughs) So, the possession thing being between a human and a spirit of someone who she barely knows is improbable. Can you get possessed by someone who you do know? I mean, it's very unlikely. And, I mean, it's just... What happened to her is not characteristic of a possession. Like, think about it. She was, like, sleeping and she was having dreams. I get that. That could be something like clairvoyance or something. But then, like, the whole thing of talking through her and, like... That's just not how it works, okay? That's not how it works. So, like we mentioned before, uh, like, Remy literally knew Alan well because they worked together, and that supposed incident that happened that Jill mentioned, or not supposed, that incident that happened. So I'm not saying that Alan didn't commit the crime. I just don't believe that the incident that happened with Remy is true. Like, I think that Remy knew what had happened, or she found out somehow. Maybe she had, like, a guilty conscience. And, yeah. Like, felt like she needed to play her husband like that, like, with exactly. the ghost thing to, like, get it off her chest. Yeah. I don't know how she would have known, but, like... Or maybe, like, she knew that he killed her, and, like, she was scared to come forward directly to the police, because, mm-hmm. like, we have heard before that she was intimidated or potentially scared by Alan. So maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe there was something where he, she, like, he threatened her with violence, and that was she was scared to come forward now. But, like, there are a few th- reasons why I believe Alan did it. And I think it's substantiated by, one, the jewelry. Yeah. Two, the witness accounts about him going over to her house to fix a TV. Three, his confession. And then the issues with the statement where he, like... Yeah, somehow yeah. they actually were able to find the right killer, I think. Yeah, it's, it's just, just a weird way. Yeah, and I just, I don't know if I fully buy it, like... Remy had issues with this guy. Maybe she was actually digging for dirt on him, and she happened across this information, and she yeah. didn't want to, like, come forward and be like, this is what my private investigator found when I was looking into dirt on the guy that got me fired. Exactly. But I came up with this wacky story where my <laughs> ghost possessed me, like, you know? And then made her husband come forward about it. Yeah, like, I don't know. Something's just a little off. Yeah, just there's... a little. Yeah. A little off. I'd love to buy it, but it's just not... It's not fitting for me. Not really. Yeah. 
But yeah, this was the murder of Teresita Bassa. Tune in on February 3rd for another new episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast. Bye! Bye.